Good morning. Oh man, I'm excited. Are you guys excited? Good. <laughs> Give you something to think about before we dive in here. You know, when does our thinking fail us? What situations do we often find ourselves in that bring about this negative thinking, this toxic thinking? That's why. Well, why don't you kind of dwell on as we tackle this lesson this morning. It is so nice to see everyone. It really is. It's nice to be here and, and worship together. Nothing gets our minds back on focus better than, than worshiping God and worshiping together. Matthew 4. Matthew 4 is where we're going to be. It's our main text this morning in Matthew 4. We'll look at a few others, but Matthew 4 is, is going to be where it's at. My prayer is that we can leave here this morning renewed and uplifted with an encouraging mindset to glorify God this week especially. Now, when I think of our souls, our, our mind, I usually think of it in this way. I imagine ourselves, our souls, our inner being, if you will, as this city. Not an open city. I mean, you want walls, a city with walls. And you want strong walls because there's going to be a lot of things that's going to try to destroy us and, and our city. Those walls around our city, they represent our, our mind, what stands as a barrier between the physical and the spiritual. The only way in that city would naturally be through, through the gates, our eyes, our ears, you can say that is, what we absorb information with. And of course, at the center of that city is going to be our heart. Our heart there, the, the heart of the city. Everything works in unison. And together, they represent our inner being. We just have to be careful what we're allowing into our city, into our inner man. Because we're a beautiful city. And I've given a, a version of this point before. But the walls to our city, our mind, need to be strong. They need to be strong. We often determine, for the most part, how strong our minds are going to be. The physical world, the world that we live in, it wants to penetrate those walls. It wants to break down those walls. Or maybe we just never even shut our gates. We just allow access to whatever we experience, to whoever we come across in our life. And before you know it, our city is destroyed and our life is full of sin. Now, there will be a lot of things that come to our walls that we'll have to determine if they are going to be acceptable to allow into our city and have access to our heart. I love this passage in Romans 8, verses 5 through 6. It says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. What are we going to allow our mind to pass through our walls and into our hearts? There are plenty of things that will approach our walls, our mind. In life, we will find ourselves in plenty of situations where it just seems you seem weak. Our walls seem weak. And we'll need to know what is right and wrong. We'll need to know what is going to be healthy for our souls and what's going to be detrimental to our souls. Now, the way we think, the way we process information is so important. The way we think in our mind. But toxic thinking could have serious negative effects if we allow it to and we let it have access to us. Toxic thinking is thinking that is toxic to our souls. My previous boss would always say, 
I don't know why this always stuck with me, but it, maybe because it has some southern charm to it. That stinking thinking is just that. It's stinking thinking. It's negative thinking. How can we use our mind and our thinking to benefit us and strengthen our faith? That is a key question. Because we will find ourselves in certain situations that will test our walls and that will want to destroy us. Situations that bring about negative thinking. Situations like when we are nervous, when we're in conflict, when we're under pressure, when we're alone, when we're with, maybe with the wrong crowd of people, when we're insecure, doubtful about the future, just unable to be in control. These situations, and many more like them, will lend themselves to the negative thinking and destroy our souls if we let it. We need to have power over our mind and strengthen our city, our soul, if we're going to be productive servants for God. And that means we need to have a well-trained mind. A mind that will know what to do in certain situations and be able to filter out thoughts that come in. A mind that will be able to connect with the heart and the eyes and thoroughly be better disciples of God. The greatest mind in history, the greatest mind ever, is the mind of Jesus. We learn so much from our Savior. He leads the way for us as an example to emulate in our own faith. Jesus found himself in many situations that could lead anyone to toxic thinking, but Jesus undoubtedly stands firm. He has his mind set on the target. He has his mind set on God. Now, we can't read exactly you know, the mind and what he was thinking exactly in that moment, what Jesus was thinking, but we can take that situation we read about and we can trace the train of thought to make conclusions that help us better understand what we need to be doing and what we need to be thinking in similar times. A situation that Jesus often found himself in was solitude. Whether he was fasting or praying or grieving, Jesus often took the time to recollect, to regather, to prepare himself in that solitude. And we, you know, we need that too sometimes. We need that alone time. Now, the amount of time is going to be different for each individual. You have your introverts and you have your extrovert, extroverts. It's going to be different. But we will, at some point, find ourselves alone without any people around us. Let's look at one of those examples. If you're in Matthew 4, I want to look at verses 1 through 4 here. Now, this is specifically the first temptation. Jesus is in the wilderness. He's alone, but he quickly finds company. It says there in Matthew 4, verse 1, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And he was fasting 40 days and 40 nights. He was hungry. And the tempter came to, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, I'm not saying we'll find ourselves in this exact situation because we won't. It says there in verse 1, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. There's a divine purpose for the situation. But I bring this example up for two reasons. First is that we'll often find ourselves not in the same situation, but we will find ourselves sometimes in similar circumstances. And two, because what Jesus says is very 
powerful. Our life is full of opportunities. Every second is an opportunity. The question is, what are we going to do with that opportunity? That means we will find ourselves in circumstances where we are alone. And it would be foolish to think that we're not going to be tempted in that moment. Or that Satan won't try to get the best of us when we are alone. Being alone is not a bad thing. However, it's not a time to let your guard down either. Jesus is in the wilderness, and like any human, Jesus, as man here in this sense, is being tempted with food. And Jesus' response is awesome. He quotes scripture, and the scripture that he quotes, he intentionally uses. The scripture, God's word that he uses, fights back against that temptation and that scheme against Satan and strengthens Jesus. What does he say in verse 4? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's a quote from Deuteronomy 8.3. Scripture. Scripture is on his mind. Jesus is thinking about... And often as we read throughout the Gospels, he's thinking about Scripture. I made the point in the teen class that we need God's Word. We do. We need it daily. We need God's Word daily. When his disciples, Jesus' disciples, ask him, Hey, how do I pray? He says in that prayer, in Luke 11.3, Give us each day this, our daily bread. You know, we wake up. And we will eventually get hungry. Our physical bodies will say, hey, I'm hungry, feed me. If you don't, you'll starve and you'll die. (laughs) We need that. It only makes sense if our physical bodies need that, that our spiritual bodies will get hungry and we will need God's word. We'll need it daily. God's word is more than just reading your Bible. It's more than just studying your Bible. Faith is more than just this self-help. It's more than just practical ways to be a, a better person. Keep, keep your marker in Matthew 4, but turn with me to Mark 14. Mark 14, look at verses 32 to 35. Now, I mentioned this briefly in the podcast. I encourage you to listen to that. It's the extra mile every Monday, wherever you get podcasts. Tune in. I got to get that in there. But I used a different passage. I believe I used Luke 22. I want to look at Mark 14. In this passage with Jesus, he has some distance between him and his disciples here. And he's alone in, in Gethsemane. Moments before the crucifixion. Really feel this in verse 33 here. Or 32, excuse me. Mark 14, 32. And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter, James, and John, and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. Notice notice in verse 33, Jesus says that he is in trouble and distress. You can't help but read this passage and vividly, vividly see what Jesus is feeling in this moment. He's in a lot of pain, as I imagine anyone would be in this moment. But what makes Jesus different from anyone else is that he's able to walk forward, knowing what's ahead. We can't do that. But to a certain level... There will be times where we feel stress and we feel agony, and that's okay. That's natural. The question is, where is our mind trained to go in that time of stress? 
and pain. Which thoughts do we allow through our walls and into our city? Which thoughts are going to go into our mind and live in our hearts? Are they negative thoughts? I'm not going to be able to make it out of this. I, I can't do it. I'm so far in this hole, there's no way I can get out. I'm not going to do that. What would those people think? Maybe they're even more sinful thoughts like, it's okay if I tell this lie right here. I'll, I'll complain about this person for, in this moment for now. It's, it's totally fine. It says in verse 35 that Jesus fell on the ground. When we pray, do we just close our eyes and hope and wish? No. It goes deeper than that. We pour out to God everything that we're seeing and feeling and thinking and we're praying to God because we know and we believe that he's going to answer our prayer. If we go back to Matthew 4, look at verse 4. What does Jesus say? Jesus quotes that scripture and says that man shall not live by bread alone but what comes from God's mouth. The word of God is more than just reading and checking off a box. It's what we live by. Our faith is what we live out. And if what comes into our mind is good and godly, then we need it to be living in our hearts. Not the thoughts that Satan tries to feed us with temptations and and things like that. There was a study that said that we have around 30,000 thoughts come into our mind on average daily. That is a lot of thoughts coming in that we have to discern. Is it going to be healthy for us or, or not so much? Paul encouragingly says in 2 Corinthians 10.5, we destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. We need to be taking every thought captive, taking it captive, discerning if it's going to be good or bad. The thoughts that disobey Christ, we destroy the moment they hit our wall. We don't let it dwell in our city, in our hearts. I don't want you to feel bad either that, you know, that you had a, a thought that may have been evil and, and that that's bad. It's not the thought that's the sin, it's how we act to that thought that's the sin. Do we allow it to come into our mind and dwell and fester and boil? Because how we think... How we think is going to be how we live. When we are alone, we take that quiet time, it's easy to get distracted. When we're alone, it's second nature for us to make ourselves company with the, the TV or the phone. I'm not saying we get rid of those things. Those things are okay. I'm not saying we get rid of the TV and we go get a burner phone. Or like AJ's dad, we just, no phone at all. It's... That's okay. I wish I could do that. No. However, we have to ask ourselves, what does our screen time look like? Is it a little higher than it needs to be? A little higher than we want it to be? I usually find that it is. It's not that we should get rid of those things, but that we should be intentionally using those tools when we need as they should be. And I'm specifically talking about distractions that are going to cause this toxic thinking. For example, if we're on social media and I get jealous about the life of this person, life of this brother and sister, or I hate myself because I don't look this way or that way, when those are distractions that are making things worse and causing this toxic thinking. If we are distracting ourselves with content that might be completely inappropriate, well now, my whole day is filled with this toxic thinking. Evil thinking like, 
like anything, can come through many different avenues, many different distractions that we use to escape, especially when we're alone. If you're in Matthew 4, notice that Satan continues to tempt Jesus. In verse 5, he's just tempting Satan with all of these, I mean, he's tempting Jesus with all of these distractions, first with bread and then in verse 5. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. When we are alone, do we choose God or distractions? When we really need him, do we choose God or distractions? When we haven't even prayed to him yet, do we choose God or distractions? Distractions can lead to toxic thinking and possibly even sin, but God will never, never lead to sin and will always renew our mind. That lends itself to a very popular passage in Romans 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Jesus is thinking is on the will of God. That's what seems to be on his mind. Jesus strengthens his wall, the wall around his heart, his mind, with the will of God. Jesus presents, or sorry, Satan presents Jesus with two options here. He's like, bread or God. Jesus chooses God. Satan pushes his ego a little bit, says jump. Jesus chooses God. Satan offers him the world and all its glory. And what does Jesus do? Jesus chooses God. We have a choice as well. When we are alone and have options to choose distractions away from God that's going to create toxic thinking or God and what he wants us to do, we have a choice. Having our minds and our thinking centered on the will of God is going to make our time and the situation that we find ourselves in so much more fruitful. One of the best things that we can do is allow the will of God to live in our hearts and renew our minds. What is the will of God there? We'll look at Romans 12 too. What is good and acceptable and perfect. If these things are not on our mind, if what is good and acceptable and perfect is not on our mind, then we have a problem. Distractions and influences and other things that grab our attention and pull us away from God is not the will of God. Jesus quotes... And uh, he quotes Deuteronomy 6.13 when he says in Matthew 4.10, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. We have to ask ourselves, who are we serving when we are alone and we choose to serve distractions and something else other than God? We're not serving God in that instance. Sometimes we forget that when we are alone, 
whether on purpose just to get rid of all the noise, or maybe the passing of a loved one, that we're actually not alone. Since we have a choice between distraction over here and God, He is there with us, desiring and longing for our attention. He's a jealous God that way. Let's turn over to Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy 6. This is the chapter that Jesus quotes to Satan here in Matthew 4. And Jesus quotes verses 13 and 16 of Deuteronomy 6. But I want to look at verses 4 through 9. Verses 4 through 9 with me. Really pay attention here to the principles that God is trying to get across. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. That means they have to come through our mind. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now Jesus even quotes Deuteronomy 6, 5 here, if you remember, in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, He says it, the same thing, just slightly different when a lawyer asks, hey, what's, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. I bring out Deuteronomy because in verse 4 of chapter 6 it says, the Lord is one. When Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, he's saying, give your all, your entire self, your inner being, your city, all of it should love him. Just as the Lord is one for us, we need to be completely one for him. God is with us. He's there for us. He's there for us when we are struggling with toxic thoughts entering into our mind. God is there. When we read that Jesus isolates himself, he's taking some quiet time. It was strategic. It was purposeful. He took that time to intentionally connect with God. In Matthew 4 that we looked at, our main passage, he was preparing himself for his ministry and the tasks at hand. Jesus takes time to recharge in Mark 6 to grieve the death of John the Baptist in Luke 6. Each time he chooses God in those moments to refresh his mind and his soul. This was more than just alone time. It was one-on-one time with God. In our solitude, we have to ask, do we take that time to connect with him? Because time spent with God is never a waste. An honest connection with our Lord will lead to what is good and acceptable and perfect. It won't lead to toxic thinking, the type of thinking that destroys us from the inside out. God is there to replenish our minds with thoughts that are righteous and encouraging. In Matthew 4, when we look at it, we see Jesus and we see Satan. We see them duking it out, right? Then we look at this world and we see all the evil and we're overwhelmed by it. Our thinking then becomes fear because we don't know what to do with all the changes in society and culture and government and social media. But with that type of mindset, we allow toxic thinking to occur and we forget something very important, that God is bigger than it all. 
Jesus was greater than Satan in the desert and he's greater than, than Satan now. God is the creator of the universe. We have the creator of the universe on our side. So let's get our heads out of the dirt and set our minds on the one that is perfect and holy on Christ. 1 Corinthians 2, 14-16 encourages us when, he, when Paul says, the natural person, the unspiritual person, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Those of us who have put on Christ or in Christ have the mind of Christ, a mind that is going to destroy those evil thoughts and feed our soul with thoughts that are holy, thoughts that will help us live the right way, be more disciplined, help us love our families more, turn darkness into light, strengthen our brothers and sisters, help us better share the gospel, thoughts that will give us a deeper connection with God. These thoughts, this mindset, is going to make us be, as Jesus says in Matthew 5, 14, the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Verse 16, let your light shine before people so that they can see your good deeds and give honor to your Father in heaven. Let's be a light to the world with our thoughts. Jesus says in Matthew 4 as well, in verses 16 and 17 there, the people who sit in darkness have seen a great light. And on those who sit in the region and shadow of death, a light has dawned for that time Jesus began to preach this message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And that is exactly it. The kingdom of heaven is here and it's full of those who have repented. God wants to see all souls to be a part of his kingdom. If we live in the shadows, if we live the way the world wants us to, that's going to be that's going to only lead to imperfection. God wants us to move out of the shadows and into the light, into his kingdom. If we repent and we turn back from that life, our past life and that thinking, and we're baptized into Christ and we start walking the right way, we're no longer haunted by our past or tortured by our thoughts. Instead, we are made perfect through him because we serve a great God and we're saved. And that changes lives. And if this is you this morning and you want to get baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, to leave that life behind, then come forward while we stand and we sing.